This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Pauly, and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to Paranormal Encounters Episode 8. I'm Jerry. And I'm Tracy. So we Hi got, y'all. What? I say hey y'all. <laughs> so we got a couple of stories for you, and then we're going to hear from Joshua. A couple, couple of cool stories a little later tonight. Yay. So this first story though says, on September 16, 2001, I lost my beloved companion of 25 years, Ruben Anaya. That's the same as Chelsea and uh, Daniel's last name oh, in California. Wow. After he had surgery to remove two cancerous tumors from his stomach, his health, his heart, and his age just could not handle the trauma that goes with the surgery. My daughter, Christina Carter, and I went to the hospital after his daughter, Debbie called me to say that his heart was slowing down. We arrived at Eastern New Mexico Medical Center about 9.30 p.m. He had just passed on. His body was still warm, and we stood there not wanting to accept it. I called my son Danny to get to the hospital before the funeral home personnel took the body away. It was something that I thought he would never have to go through. Reuben had always been there for my children and me. A wonderful father and husband, full of energy and good ideas that kept us going. We had done more in the 25 years than most married couples do in 50. Reuben developed a number of health problems through the years. He had to have triple bypass after having two heart attacks. He had his right leg removed due to diabetes a few years later. He did well after his amputation and got around in a wheelchair. He never lost his sense of humor. He was our hero, our knight in shining armor. Reuben believed in the hereafter and told me several times that he would be back after he was gone. He passed away on Sunday and was laid to rest on Wednesday. After all the calls, the food, the flowers, the endless parade of people, I sent everyone home to get some badly needed rest. Around 7 o'clock that evening, I took a long and soothing bath, as it had been very a very hot day. I put on a comfy nightgown and got in bed. Turned on the television, and before I knew it, I was sound asleep. I woke up sometime later, long enough to turn the television off. Around 1 a.m., I distinctly heard Reuben call me in his usual booming voice. Hun, he said. This is how he would call me when he needed me to get up or or to he couldn't reach something in his wheelchair. Hold on, I answered, and quickly sat up in the bed before I remembered that he was gone. Aw, makes me want to cry. But there he was, standing in my doorway, wearing the same clothes that we buried him in. He looked as if he had swallowed a fluorescent light 
He glowed. All I could think to say was, Look, you're walking. Ruben smiled at me and disappeared into a pink fog. I went back to sleep, the most wonderful sleep I have ever had. He kept his promise. He did come back. And that's from Minnie in Roswell, New Mexico. Aww. A heart. Yeah, that's a sweet story. It's a sweet story. Man. I would come back like that for you. Would you? Yep. It's kind of sad now because after we've just heard about the death of our friend. Yeah. And he had so many things happening with him. Very similar to that. He's yep. diabetes and kidney failure. Yeah. Uh, good comedian. Very, very sad. We'll miss him. Yeah. Rest in peace, Robert. Yeah. All right. Well, Tracy, I've got a story for you to read. You do? Yeah, before we get to uh, Joshua's story. Okay. My husband passed away December 23rd in 1988. The first visit from Jim was during March 1989. I woke from a sound sleep at 4 o'clock in the morning when he floated in through the balcony window. His aura was so bright I was blinded by it. I remember saying to him, Honey, please turn down your light. I can't see you very well, I asked him. What are you doing here? Don't you have, or don't you know you have passed away? He ignored my last question. He said, I have come to comfort you and to tell you that I love you and will always be there for you. Don't sound like she really wanted him there. (laughs) (laughs) He was sitting beside me and he kissed me on the cheek. And I felt his hand in mine. Jim said, listen to me. I know you are very upset about the move you are going to make to a senior apartment complex, but there is a reason for this. This is where you are supposed to be. There are people there who need your help. You are a very good listener. This visit was a wonderful experience. Jim was a very kind man and always helped people in need. When my son Gary returned to his apartment, where I was staying at the time, I told him about the vision and the visitation that I had gotten. He said, Mom, this is all in your mind. I'm going to suggest that you see a psychiatrist friend of mine. I refused. I told Gary that this really happened. Gary said, I have taken courses in psychology. You just wanted to see Dad so badly you have created this experience in your mind. I said, No, he really was here. He held my hand and he kissed me on the cheek. Gary was like, Mom, you know you're a comedian. People like you, you make people laugh, even when you are saying outlandish things. I know my son was trying to comfort me, so I wouldn't have to turn to the dead for advice. I experienced several more visitations from Jim. The second time, he said he just came to tell me that he was still with me in the spirit every day of my life. I was curious and asked him, Are you happy where you are? I am in a very beautiful place, and someday you will be here with me. Now listen to me, he said. I never would listen to him very well. You have a lot of work to do, so I won't be seeing you for a while. Again, he kissed me on the cheek and held my hand. Gary thought I was under so much stress I was hallucinating, but I was not taking any medication at the time. I know in my heart Jim will be visiting me again, And this makes me very happy. And this is from Margaret in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, that's That's awesome. That's a nice... Back-to-back visitation stories from out in the Mm -hmm. uh, desert areas of our country. 
I like that story. That's nice. It's so yes. comforting. All right. Let's take a quick sponsor break, and then we'll come back with Joshua's story. All right. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Hillbilly Horror Stories. I have got Joshua Woody. He's a, a member of the group, so you've probably seen him posted on a lot of stuff in there. And he's out in Iowa, and he's got some stories from uh, his early days of being a youngster growing up in a haunted house. And he also uh, has been a paranormal investigator for a short time, a very short time. And he's got uh, all kinds of cool stories. So, Josh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is really sweet. It's kind of like a old school coast to coast vibe. Hey, <laughs> except, uh, I'm definitely not George Norrie and I'm definitely not, uh, any of the guest hosts or, you know, so. <laughs> All we're missing is some alien stories. We're good. Yeah. I'm sure you probably got a couple of those you can, you can pull out. Oh man. All right. So I'll go ahead and, uh, and let you in on the house I lived in as a kid. Um, I grew up in Valley Junction in, in West Des Moines, Iowa from like 1990 to about uh, 1998. And during that time, I had a couple of instances happen to me that were could be considered paranormal. Didn't really start until after the flood of 93 hit and uh, the house ended up getting renovated almost nonstop. And that's when the, the weird things started happening. I would remember uh, just playing in my room. I couldn't have been any older than maybe six or seven. I'd hear my name get called, and it sounded like my mom's voice. And so I'd, I'd run out of my room and go into the kitchen and ask her what she needed, and she'd look at me with a weird look on her face, She'd be like, I never called you. I'm like, okay. So I'd go back to my room, and, you know, maybe 20, 30 minutes later, I'd hear it again. And I'd go back out, and my mom had to have thought I was crazy, but that happened multiple times a day, almost on a daily basis. It even happened to my younger brother. He came in my room one day and asked me what I wanted. I said, I, I don't know. What are you talking about? And he said, no, I heard you call my name. What do you need? I said, I didn't call your name. So at that point, I kind of figured something weird was going on. But being so young, I had no clue what the deal was. There was a, a couple of times when I'd get sent to bed. And just like you do with, with your own kids, you'd send them to the bed and tell them to shut their lights off and close their door and go to sleep. That was absolutely miserable for me. Almost every night I would get woken up with my door slamming open and shut. Not like repetitively, but just once or twice, enough to wake me up. A couple of other times, it would feel like I was like, as I'm sleeping, it would feel like I was free falling. You get that sensation that there's like no gravity. I hate that feeling. And it, it's, it's just, it was really weird. And then, uh, it would feel like my legs hit the bed, like someone was lifting my legs up or even lifting my whole body up and just dropping me. And uh, that would wake me up. And I, I was just, I would, I would be so scared. I would run out of my room and upstairs to my parents' room and sleep on their, on their floor. And my, my mom and dad were always just like, oh, you're just having a nightmare, you know, that kind of thing. But they, uh, they let me sleep in on the floor almost every night. I'd run up there and wake up in the morning and, and just, you know, it'd start all over again. One day, my dad came running up from the basement. He was working on putting uh, walls in around the uh, like the furnace area and that kind of stuff because when the flood of 93 hit, it just it decimated our home and everything was constantly being remodeled. But he came running up the stairs and uh, he said, what were you doing in the basement? I didn't know what he was talking about. I hadn't been downstairs. I could see by the look on his face that 
he knew I was telling the truth, but he, it was almost like he didn't want to believe it. And I, I never, I never found out what happened until like a day or two later when I heard him talking to my mom about it. Apparently he was downstairs putting studs in for the wall and he saw a shadow behind him. So he turned around and he chased the shadow around the entire basement until finally it just disappeared. And that's when he came running upstairs to find out where I was at. So now it wasn't just me and my brother having experiences. It was my, my dad as well. One night, I woke up in the middle of the night after hearing my door shut. I think it was like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And as I turned the corner of the hallway to run upstairs, I see like this white, grayish lady Shorter than I was, so it had to have been like maybe three or four feet, because like I said, I, I was only like six or seven, maybe eight at the time. And uh, she stood at the corner of the dining room table, and I walked around, and she walked the opposite direction, and then I ran upstairs. That night, I woke up underneath my parents' bed, uh, king-size bed, and I was underneath in the middle of it. And in order for me to have gotten underneath in the middle of the bed, I would have had to have crawled in my sleep from the outside of the bed with, on the floor all the way to the middle. Um, so much so that when I, I woke up, I, I literally had to scream for help because I, I couldn't get out. My dad had to lift their, their mattress up and their bed up in order to, for me to have room to get out. Oh, wow. Um, that, that was just a couple of the situations. At that point, uh, any time in the middle of the night that I woke up from, from then on, I would go into the living room and sleep on the couch just so I could pretty much see everything. Uh, it was a pretty open floor plan at the house. So by me sleeping on the couch, I could, I could see the kitchen, the dining room, breakfast, nook, everything. But there was a couple of times in the middle of the night where I would wake up and I would see this grayish, like, old woman figure like going back and forth in the dining room it looked like she was moving in fast forward mode and it was just insane so i never uh really figured out what was going on until after we moved out i asked my mom about it i was like did anyone ever die in the home and she said no no one ever died in the home the last person to own it was an old lady who died in hospice and she was she was pretty short so, so I'm wondering if that's the lady I saw. And then I had my uh, my dad tell me the story while we were living in the home about how when he was a teenager, he would he would go and do these like Ouija board things. And he said he went with a group of friends into an attic that was supposedly haunted. And I guess they contacted something and asked it to blow out a candle. And the candle went out. When he told me that story, I think I was like, eight or nine, and we were still living in the house, that night, instead of hearing my name being called, I would hear, I sell my soul to the devil. I sell my soul to the devil over and over and over again. And it wasn't in my mom's voice. It wasn't in my voice. It was in some voice that I'd never heard before. And that didn't stop until I went over to my dad and my mom and told them what was going on. And then it just kind of kind of went away. But that was, uh, that, that was uh, probably the most terrifying, <laughs> terrifying thing I ever experienced. And that was even seeing this so-called ghost thing, whatever it was, um, I was, it was more frightening to hear that. One of the last things that ever happened in that house 
was my 10th birthday. I had two friends spend the night. And at this time, I had gotten my room moved to the basement because the basement had gotten finished and my mom ended up getting pregnant and I had another sibling on the way. So they thought we'd, uh, they'd give me some space of my own, uh, which was great. Never really had any issues downstairs, even though my, my dad supposedly saw shadows. But that night on my 10th birthday, I heard something coming from the closet and it was me and my two friends were both down there laying down, getting ready for bed. And it sounded like, you know, those, uh, those toy cars that if you pull them back, they make that wind up noise yeah. and you let go and they shoot. Yeah. So it sounded like that wind up noise. Being 10, I didn't have any toys in my closet. I just, you know, I was a big hockey player. So I had like hockey stuff, but nothing, nothing crazy like that. But I heard that wind up noise. And then my two friends that were sleeping on the floor, they're like, do you hear that? And all of a sudden you see this orb shoot out of my closet and go around the corner. And it looked like a skull that shot out of my closet. My friends saw it. I saw it. There was no denying it. I went upstairs and I was in tears. I was telling my dad what had happened. And he ran downstairs and looked around and came back up. And he's like, Josh, I've checked the whole basement. There's nothing down there. I don't know what you saw. And then one of the weird things that happened, I guess it's a a pretty common thing for people to do this when they sell homes. Um, I remember my dad going to... uh, like some witchcraft store and I went with him and he bought some, uh, some statue thing and he, he did some like, like incantation or something over it and buried it in the yard. Yep. And I, I guess that was statue. supposed to sell, sell the house or something. Well, I said St. Christopher actually I meant it's St. Peter's statue is what people get to bury. But, uh, yeah. my dad, he like later on, he, he told me that, uh, he, he was big into like, the uh the occult and like paranormal stuff he he wanted to know what it was and he's like he was telling me he he would read books and at the t- at the time would you know spend 20 minutes on one web page cuz the internet had just came out kind of a thing <laughs> just just reading about it that left me with a lot of questions i i don't know my my dad growing up he he drank a little bit but he wasn't really an alcoholic but he had like these weird mood swings, almost like he was bipolar. The only, or he wasn't diagnosed with bipolar. He, the only thing I can compare it to is like when you watch like shows like a haunting or something like that and someone gets possessed mm-hmm. and they have, they go from completely normal and then all of a sudden they're a different person. That, that was my dad for a while in that house. And I, I haven't really talked to him in about 10 or 15 years now because the last time I, did speak to him he had one of those moments and uh i ended up getting choked out and until i passed out and it was just out of nowhere you know growing up he never really laid a hand on me he was kind of uh he was kind of like verbally abusive a little bit but i mean not like to the point where dhs would need to get involved you know if your kid does something stupid and you say that was stupid or you're stupid for doing that that kind of a thing but never ever laid a hand on me or my siblings when he choked me out, it wasn't him. It was, it was not him. There was, like, his eyes looked completely different. So I don't know if him dabbling with the occult got him an attachment or if he just had some mental health issues. Not 100%, but uh, that, was, that was the last time I talked to him. And having those experiences made me seek out, as I was growing up and becoming a teenager, you know, what was it I saw? What was going on in my house? And I, I ended ended up finding um, this group, paranormal group in Des Moines called uh, Die Part. 
And it was uh, the Des Moines, Iowa Extreme Paranormal Research Team. And I, I went in to uh, have an interview with them to, to tell them what was going on and why I was so interested in it and if I could join them on an investigation. And they decided it'd be all right. And the first investigation I went to was an old farmhouse in Colfax that had a kid with autism. And he said that he'd see like uh, demons in his trees in the front yard and they'd hear growling in their basement and they'd have things move on their own. Uh, really active, active haunting. Being there, I was thinking that, you know, I'm going to be able to figure out what it was that I saw as a kid. I'm going to get all these answers and I'm finally going to get to know what, what the deal is with the afterlife. And after that investigation, uh, I, I left there with more questions than anything. I, we, we went in and we took pictures and we introduced ourselves to the, uh, the person that was experiencing all these things. And I went down into the basement and I heard a growl, just like they, they had said they heard one of the, another one of the researchers or investigators with me heard the same thing. We even got it on uh, audio. And then I, I went upstairs to the second floor and I just kind of sat in the hallway and had my audio recorder going and everyone was told to be quiet and just see what happens. And we weren't getting anything. And, and uh, then all of a sudden, uh, I hear something move in the room behind me. And I turn around, and there's this basket that's sitting on a shelf. And I watched the handle of this basket go from one side of the basket clear to the other, and then back again. And it was immediately after that, it felt like someone was, like, hugging me from behind. <laughs> it, it is just the weirdest, weirdest thing. It, it didn't feel, like, malicious or anything. It just felt like really, really loving. Like, uh, like I almost wanted to cry. It, it felt, it felt so loving, like a warm embrace almost. And I'd never, ever felt that before. Like there was, there was nobody else in the room. It was just me. Yeah. I've but, heard, uh, I've heard of those but, experiences before to where you get like an overwhelming amount of like love to it just emotionally just grabs you like that yeah it was the uh, it was the strangest thing and then after that we kind of we went around the yard and took photos and stuff and one of the craziest things i picked up on my audio was uh the the head investigator had came upstairs and he just you know he just said is there anybody here that would like to talk and then playing back my audio you hear a yes <laughs> like almost a class a recording it was it was it was just insane. That night, I decided that uh, I didn't want to do any more paranormal investigating. I didn't want to do it to help people. I wanted to do it to, to get answers for myself. And I felt like that wasn't the right reason to be doing it. Yeah, makes sense. But then, <laughs> down the road, I ended up moving to southern Iowa. And uh, I ended up meeting this this kid that lived next door to me. And he's like, have you ever been out to, uh, to Ted Rowe Cemetery? And I was like, no, what's that? And well, apparently Ted Rowe Cemetery is like an old cemetery. The cemetery itself isn't haunted, but the, supposedly the woods around the cemetery are. So we go out there and it, if you look it up online, you'll have like weird reports of like, if you drive your car in there, it won't start or you'll hear like running around the car, you know, silly stuff like that. We didn't experience any of that stuff. But what we did experience was as we were walking around the tombstones, just uh, just checking out the cemetery, I looked off into the woods, and in my mind, I see this like big, 
black dog or cat thing with huge paws, almost the size of the trees. And it just, that image just flashed into my mind. And right as I saw that image, the guy I was with said, how crazy would it be if a big black jaguar came out of these woods? <laughs> and I was like, the timing of that was, was just too perfect for it to be anything other than paranormal. And then we decided to take off and we start the car up and there's no issues. And as we're driving down the road, there's a dog on the side of the road. And as we're driving, driving past this dog, it darts out in front of us to the point where we had to swear we were doing 55, 60 miles an hour. We had to swerve around this dog. We're like, that was freaking weird because it literally just sat in the ditch waiting for us to drive in front of it, almost like it was intentionally trying to get hit. So we keep driving, and it's about an hour drive back home to my house. And as we get into town, there's a dog that's on a chain on the top of the hill coming in, and it breaks the chain, runs out in front of our vehicle. Oh. I, was like, what? I was like, what the hell is going on today? It was just weird. You know, I get home. There's a lot of truck drivers that swear by the the black dog syndrome. That as they're driving, they'll see a black dog run out in front of them, and it causes them to to run off the road and wreck on several occasions. When they're, especially when they're extra tired. I see. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. <laughs> I have chills right now. It's so crazy. <laughs> uh, but but then I I get to my house and at the time I had a a German Shepherd lab mix and she was just the sweetest dog ever never barked or growled at anybody everyone was her friend and I walk in the house and she starts snarling at me and I I've never seen her growl or bare her teeth at me ever or anyone for that matter and I was and I was like Tabby calm down it's okay sweetheart you know. So, okay, it's just me. And then she kind of calmed down a little bit, but she kept her distance and like the back of her hair on her neck would stand up and she, she didn't come near me for about five or 10 minutes. And, uh, I, I went to plug my cell phone into the wall and sparks shot, shot out of the wall. Damn. And I just, there was like static almost. It was like a static energy that was around me. And, and man, that's, that was, that was it. Like that was the last time I decided to ever do anything paranormal. <laughs> I just I feel like I bit off more than I can chew, and uh, I I was okay with ending it there, you know. So, so you think anything's going to happen now that you've told the stories? I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> it, it, it's weird. Like when you tell these stories, it, you get like a you, you get this weird feeling all over again, like you're reliving it. Yep, I can understand that. Every time I tell some of the stories that I've got, I mean, I go right back to the moment that it happened. I mean, I have that same feeling, the same emotions, everything. Yep. Joshua, buddy, thanks for coming on and sharing these. I know it's, it's tough sometimes to rehash some of these things, and I appreciate that you shared it because I know it will probably help somebody out there. Yeah, man, that's that's what this is all about. And same with the group. Like, uh, my wife, she doesn't even listen to the podcast. She just has uh, really bad anxiety and depression, and I had her join the group. And, and every day she reads posts on there, and every day is a better day for her because of it. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, we've got a lot of members in the group that probably have never listened to one episode, and that's fine. That's who, that's what it's for. That's right. All right, brother. We'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you so much for the opportunity. You're welcome. So you got a situation with, with Josh to where he's hearing his name called. He goes down, and his mom's like, I didn't call your name. My and gosh. then his brother is hearing him his name called and thinking it's him. I mean... 
Oh, yeah, that is that is, would drive you insane, I would think, after a while. I would think, so everybody thinks everybody else is calling their name. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, anyway, that was some very cool stories yeah, of Josh. He thank got, you, Josh. He had a bunch of stories, so they were all over the place. And, like, you know, I thought it was funny, like, you know, his dad has had experiences, like, with the candle being blown out yeah. by something. Mm-hmm. And, and then Josh has all his experiences. So, really cool. Thanks so much for sharing your story. Appreciate it. All right, we'll see you guys next week.